Well guys, here we are. I have a guest with really excellent taste in books and wonderful insight, and for the first time, a book I didn't need to reread before the episode because I loved it and remembered it so much, and I didn't want to get my heart broken all over again. Welcome to your favorite book. guest is Dee Dee Brown. Hi, Dee Dee. How are you today? Good. Hi. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. And we were talking before we started about just how hot it has been here. I It's not even supposed to be summer yet, and we're still getting that summer weather. I'm not digging it. I know. I read something about spring cleaning the other day, and I was like, is it is it still spring? <laughs> See, I, I think they make it spring cleaning because it's like the shortest season, so mm. you don't have a lot of time in which to clean. So <laughs> that's, that's true. Fun. Um, and so I am just super excited to sit down with you today, uh, not only because you chose an amazing book, but also because I'm a really big fan of your Instagram account and all the different initiatives you do on Instagram, uh, your book clubs, you know, your happy dances, just you, you bring a lot of joy to the platform, which I appreciate. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's just, it's so needed. And we're going to talk about all that. Um, and like I said, I am so happy you chose a book that I would also consider an all-time favorite. Uh, I was telling you before, this is the first time I haven't had to reread a book. It was just so fresh in my mind. And also, I didn't really want to reread it because I knew it would just destroy me all over again. <laughs> Sometimes I just can't handle that. Um, but before we get to all of that, can you tell us a bit about yourself and the stuff you do in the book world? Sure. So um, I am on Instagram as at DD Reads. Um, and I've been on Instagram, like in the bookstagram space for quite a few years now. I sort of hung out there a little bit um, for a couple of years, very casually without, you know, necessarily putting in the sort of time and attention that um, I have come to love doing now. Um, and then a couple of years ago, really started to get into it. Um, and so it's been so much fun to, you know, really get deep into the community of people who love books on Instagram, um, which is, which is just great. Um, but I also have that paired with a blog so that I can keep my reviews for later. Um, and it's, it's sort of become a ton of fun, but yeah, I mostly, um, read literary fiction and fantasy, which I think is, um, a fun combination because, it's just sort of rare to find people who those are their two go-to genres. And I read all, I read many other genres too, but those are sort of my comforts. And so I, I also think that that's great because it helps me meet even more people in like two sort of different circles who, who love to talk about those kinds of books. And I think that this one that we're going to talk about today is fun because it falls a little bit in both. Yeah, I was thinking exactly that. Like, I think you found a great book that sort of bridges that gap. It's extremely literary, you know, it's based in a Homeric epic and in the language as well, but it's also, you know, it's got gods and goddesses and fantastical elements to it. And I think, you know, fantasy lovers and, you know, high literary lovers will will love it just the same. It's just mm -hmm. such an amazing book. Mm -hmm. um, and so, Dee Dee, I'm I don't know where to start with your account. I, like I said, I'm a big fan. Uh, one of the things that comes to mind first when I think about the stuff you do on Instagram is uh, you're especially passionate for something I also care about, and that is diverting book sales away from Amazon mm -hmm. and focusing on indie booksellers. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've always said on my show, support your indies. I always have links to indie bookstores when it comes to shopping. 
But for everyone listening, can you talk a little bit about why we as book buyers should take that call to action seriously in supporting indie booksellers? Yes, definitely. It's that's something that I just care so much about. And, you know, I grew up in a very small town in upstate New York, um, further upstate than most people in New York City would would even think about, probably. Um, and so we didn't have an independent bookstore there. You know, your choices are basically Walmart or Amazon. Um, and so I felt I was like I came to this culture of shopping small a little bit later because there weren't as many options in in person. And then I moved down into the the New York City metro area and fell in love with so many independent bookstores. There are so many of them here and they just do so much good for their communities and host events that you just can't get anywhere else and authors and have so many people with um, big hearts. And so that sort of like really got me interested in that. Um, And, you know, the more that I came to learn about the, the publishing and book selling industry, you know, the more clear it became that it's, it's not as much about like hurting Amazon by going away and, and not buying from them as it is about benefiting the small businesses instead, right? Mm-hmm. Amazon's not going to miss you. They could care less, but the bookstores that you choose to shop at instead of Amazon will absolutely notice your arrival and will absolutely appreciate you being there. You know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of, questionable business practices that Amazon applies in the book world. You know, they sell books for the most part under cost. They sell their Kindle machines under under cost. They lose money on all of those things so that they can sort of trap you in this like Amazon ecosystem. And that means that you're you're cutting into sort of all of those profit lines, but it takes um it not only does it take money away from independent bookstores and reduce their ability to benefit the communities, but it also sort of teaches people that a hardcover should cost $15 when that's just not true. And so people, then people don't understand why they can't get books for $15. And then they, you know, it, it sort of is this vicious circle, but um, Amazon is, is just literally harmful to every step of the book publishing industry. And if I know that not everybody can, afford to buy a lot of books um, at full price. And I know that Amazon, especially for people who are in parts of the country that are, um, you know, don't have as many options, like it's just so much easier to shop online. Um, And so obviously you have to do what you can. But I think that there's a part of that that goes like what we spend our money on has a lot to do with our, our values and what we think is important. And if we love books, and this is how I see it, if I love books, and I like want them to continue, like I'm going to make adjustments in my budget so that I can prioritize that over other things. Um, And over time, it's just, I've just gotten more and more passionate about it. I love bookshop. I love Libro.fm. You know, I, I, it's, and it's such a warm, welcoming space of people who are standing up for, for indies and, um, and for the, the book selling industry in general. You put it so well, like there's, there's so little I can add to all of that. And you <laughs> put the nail on the head. I mean, you love the same companies I do, Bookshop, Libro FM. These are great organizations that are trying to make indie book selling available to a wider space, you know, audiobooks as well as mm-hmm. physical books. And I mean, there, there are also, I, I like that you put in the caveat that sometimes there's accessibility issues, there are cost issues. And we understand that. I think the point is just to 
think about, you know, where you put your money and think about what you can do given your personal circumstances. Exactly. Exactly. And then, I mean, there's, there's other ways too. you know, supporting your local library is free Mm -hmm. to a lot of us. I mean, if you have a good library system, I'm fortunate to be in part of a good library system. You can request new books to be added. I think I've gotten to be annoying to my local library (laughs) with the number of books I've requested, but there's so much that you can do to sort of further uh, the literary space and be a good literary citizen, even if you Mm -hmm. don't have, you know, the biggest wallet out there and even just raising awareness about some of these indie spaces. And Dee Dee, so you live in the Metro New York area. Do you have favorite bookstores? (laughs) That's like such a hard question. Like I said, there are so many of them. You know, I um, obviously like you have your your go-to favorites in the New York area, like a strand and and a which is just an event, right? It's mm-hmm. just such an iconic place. And Books Are Magic, which is not only a beautiful space, but also is owned by Emma Straub, who is an author, and their family is just so wonderful, and they treat their employees so wonderfully, and I love supporting them. Um, but I'm actually in Jersey City over on the other side of the Hudson, and so mm-hmm. my local bookstores here are Word Bookstore, which also actually has a location in Brooklyn. And then also uh, Little City Books, which is in Hoboken. And those are also just such great ones. Um, But my favorite lesser known New York area bookstore, um, I think, is Rizzoli Books, which is in Mm -hmm. the Flatiron neighborhood and Mm -hmm. is the most beautiful Instagrammable bookstore I have ever seen. There are like cloud murals on the ceiling. And it's just, I encourage you to look it up because it's just so, so gorgeous. Um, and then my last shout out for bookstores is some, like I mentioned, I'm from upstate New York and there's a bookstore in Ithaca, which is close to my hometown, um, called Buffalo street books. And it's actually a co-op bookstore. And I recently purchased an ownership share, um, in the bookstore to help like support that community, which I think is really fun and, and really cool. So a shout out for them as well. That is so cool. I have never heard of a co-op bookstore, but that is such a great idea. And I want that to become more of a thing because I would totally just pitch in and open. I've always dreamed of like opening my own bookstore. And if I can't do that, I might as well help someone else achieve that dream. You know, that's so cool. And yeah, definitely check out some of those bookstores if you're in those areas. I've always talked about my favorite stores, my favorite being Bookies over in Homewood in South Suburban Chicago. So there's tons of great bookstores. I'm so surprised every new city I go to has got an indie somewhere. And Mm -hmm. it's always just been a fun thing for me to explore some new places. It's an event. I love it. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) And so Dee Dee, sort of sticking with the activism or the the things you do on your platform. Another thing you really do is you run a really fun book club called Booker of the Month. And I've only joined a couple of times. Sometimes the books come in and I'm like, I don't have room for another book, but I join. Oh, I feel that. It's hard. (laughs) Um, But it's an an initiative I really admire. And so I guess I'm curious to know what made you choose the Booker Prize to highlight? And are you somebody that follows literary prizes in general? Yeah. So, um, so we're almost at the end of the first year of Booker of the Month. There are So the Booker Prize has 13 books in the long list each year. And so if you read one a month, you get through almost the whole thing. Um, and that, hap- that announcement happens in July. So we're, we're coming up on, you know, sort of the end of this first year. But the 2019 long list, I, I read on my own in that way. And I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, it started just as sort of a personal challenge. And I wanted to you know, I didn't study English in college. um, And so I'm constantly seeking 
ways that I can sort of immerse myself in literary mind spaces and become more familiar with that culture and that whole world and under like recognizing authors' names. And so it sort of started as an exercise in that. But it really also exposed me to other prize lists too. And I started, you know, reading the women's prize long list. Um, I also, you know, the other one that I um, really love is the Hugo Award, which is in the fantasy Mm -hmm. realm. Um, And then the National Book Award. So those are my my four that I try to read the entire, you know, long list or list of nominees, um, at least for the novel categories. Um, But anyway, so I got to the end of my first year of the Booker long list. And I just was like, this would have been so fun to do with other people and to be able to talk about them because there's such a, a wide range of different styles while while maintaining sort of a narrow, you know, sort of subset in the like sort of high literary quote unquote, like Booker space. But, um, and so that's why I started this year. I was like, you know, would anyone else want to do this with me? And there were plenty of people who said yes. And so, you know, we embarked on this. And so we meet every month to talk about um, a different, you know, book from the long list. And we get, I mean, we have probably like 10 or so people every month, which is, I think, like the perfect size. Um, But, you know, it also, that has grown even since then. And so one of my good friends, Bernie Lombardi, and I um, actually started recently a Discord server called the Literary Award Lounge. And we created channels and categories for like every single book award that you could think of, because we've really found that there's a really strong culture of book awards in the UK and in Europe um, and in other places, but it's really strong. Like obviously the Women's Prize, the Booker Prize, like those are, um, you know, from, from the UK. But in the U.S., it was sort of still gaining momentum. And so we wanted to help that along and like have a space where we could bring people from everywhere together to chat about, you know, and I've I've learned about like prizes I had never even heard of just in the couple of months that we've been active. And so we've got a, a little over 100 people over there. And um, it's a lot of fun, especially, you know, when you get up to like short prize and anou- shortlist announcements and like long list announcements. And you're like, what do you think? And I can't wait to read this. So. That's always fun too. Right. It's like, you know, some people get excited about the Oscars and some people get excited about like long list and short list for the exactly. Booker or the National Book Award. And it's I'm like, I don't care really... what like so-and-so wears in a dress. Like is Hillary right. Mantel going to make the Booker again? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love it too, because, you know, especially with COVID, I feel like having all these virtual events and virtual award shows that have opened up a lot, it's allowed a lot of people to sort of feel part of book awards in general it doesn't feel as far away and as elite as maybe it used to yeah and I think that one thing that helps with that too is the fact that all of these author readings and book launch events over the last year have also gone online and so you know I think that the whole the whole world of publishing and like book PR is starting to get flatter across the country which I I think is really great it really is. Because I mean, if you've got a favorite author and you can't make it to, I don't know, Milwaukee when there's a book <laughs> signing, you can at least, you know, be there virtually. And it's been yeah. a blessing to be able to attend so many more events as a result. Yeah. yeah. And so do you think you're going to bring back Booker of the Month this July for the new for the new set? Oh, yeah, for sure. Everyone keep that in mind if that's that's the plan. We've got plenty of momentum. Yeah, we've got we got lots of people who who we're, you know, a crew now. So, you know, not that and like with always room for more, of course. Right. Absolutely. And I am really glad that you do that. I'm a book prize junkie myself. I I'm a particularly a fan of the Pulitzer Prize. I've had my 
ongoing backlist project to read all of the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction winners, which I am chipping away at very, very slowly. But yeah, I did that for the Women's Prize actually last year. So last year was the 25th anniversary of the Women's Prize for Fiction. And so they put out sort of a challenge to read all 24 previous winners um, in time for voting in the fall on sort of the people's favorite of all time. And so I read, you know, one or two previous women's prize winners all throughout 2020 Mm -hmm. and managed to to get through all of them, which was really cool. I read them in order and I wanted to do that on purpose, right? I wanted to see like the shifting like priorities of what the judges were looking for and like what, you know, sort of the consciousness was. And one thing that I thought actually was really interesting was that a lot of the early novels were not about women. Mm. They were just by women, but like there was, there's one called Larry's party and it's literally just about like this middle-aged man in his life. <laughs> and I, so it was sort of wonderful to get toward the end and really get into like books that feel like they're speaking, you know, for like women and women identifying people and those like the sort of the experiences that, that are, resonant um for that but it was a fun project that is i can't wait to hear how your pulitzer one goes mine's gonna take me a while just because it's been around for like a hundred something years and some of these books are long out of print and have been a chore to try to find (laughs) but we'll see and so hunting yeah it'll be fun and so the last thing i want to ask you about and this is you know one of the more positive, fun things that you do is you've started doing this thing where you ask for people's good news and you do a little happy dance and <laughs> like the world of Instagram reels, we're able to just see you be happy and dance. And I just think that's really fun because, you know, the last couple of years, it's been so hard to be positive. You know, mm-hmm. much of the world is still in the midst of a pandemic. There's political unrest mm-hmm. all around us that's still going on. Do you find that positivity comes naturally to you or is that something you have to practice? That's a good question. You know, I I started them earlier this year for a couple of reasons. First of all, because as you mentioned, like, you know, especially in January too, right? The news was just so heavy. Um, And also because like, you know, reels were becoming more popular. And I was like, how can I like have fun with these in a way that like does something that, you know, brings value like to, to people around me? Um, but I wanted to be very careful because I didn't want it to come across as toxic positivity. Like I wanted to be really careful about not being like, oh, just ignore all that stuff. Just choose to be happy instead, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not how that works. But I do think that even when we are sad or like when the news is heavy, that there's there are still things that are happy. And so surfacing them and celebrating them on behalf of other people is something that just inherently, like as I do it, brings me joy. You know, like do do I every Sunday feel like dancing like right away? Like most of the time, yes, I love to dance. I actually have a degree in dance, but like so most of the time I'm like, let me find like a fun, a fun song. Today I did an epic lip sync to like a song from Hercules. So that was I was like laughing at myself. But so so it's fun, but you know, every once in a while I'm like, you know, I'm just tired or what what do I what do I I don't know, like maybe I could skip this week. And then I read through the responses that people submit and they will range from things like, oh, I just had a good week or like I got a new book I was excited about to I landed my dream job. I paid off my student loans, right? Like my mom's cancer free. Just like the, just the the range of like beautiful news that people share with me um, always makes me more than, more than ready to get up off my couch and, and boogie a little bit to something that has a lot of energy. I, I love that. I, I loved what I saw the Hercules song. I'm like, oh, it's very fitting for our Greek mythology <laughs> theme today. I know. It's been stuck in my 
head all week. I keep <laughs> singing to my husband. I'm like, who put the glad in gladiator? And he's like, yeah, okay, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you draw the distinction between, you know, practicing positivity and toxic positivity because, you know, the goal of these things are not to minimize the real pain that people are feeling. Yeah. Like, that is a valid feeling just as having happy moments is also a valid feeling. And there are spaces to express both of those things. So I think like, you know, having a space for positivity and happiness is not negating everything that's going on in the world. These are just two separate spaces that we can have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I think bringing us to the book itself. uh, Mm -hmm. So so, Didi, I've always thought you have excellent taste in books and this is no exception. (laughs) And so, like I mentioned, we are talking about the song of Achilles by Madeline Miller Chances are, if you're an avid reader, you may have read this book, come across it, or maybe you've seen Miller's other novel, Circe. But if you don't know about this book, I'm going to give you all a brief summary. So in this 2011 retelling of the Homeric epic, Miller takes on the story of Greek warrior Achilles through the eyes of his closest friend and love of his life, Patroclus. While a minor character in the war and physically inferior to Achilles, Patroclus demonstrates a dogged loyalty and strong moral fiber And though the ultimate tragedy is long prophesied, Miller breathes new life into these events by putting this relationship at the forefront of the story. And so that's my very quickly written summary of this book. Excellent, excellent. Oh, thank you. And Didi, I'm interested by just starting off with uh, where you first read this book. Take me back to where you were in Mm. life and what your overall impressions were. Mm. Take me back. So I've read this, read it, read it twice now. Um, but I first read it several years ago, and I had borrowed it from the library actually. Um, and I was, I really, you know, enjoyed it. But I was um, working for a property and casualty insurance company at the time, and it was hurricane season, and so it was very, very busy. So, as happens, we came up upon the end of my library loan, and because it was a digital loan, it was just going to be poof taken away from me if I didn't finish it. And I'm a morning person, so. I got up very early in the morning to finish it before work. And so I finished this book at like six o'clock in the morning and I was laying on my couch, just like crying. And I was like, I don't want to go to work now. Like, I just want to be sad. And it was so beautiful. (laughs) And, you know, it's funny because I, every once in a while, we'll see, you know, someone else have like a very similar experience. One of, um, uh, someone that I follow on Twitter, um, the the actor who was in the Percy Jackson music, musical, actually, um, he was like, I knew nothing about this. I just finished the song of Achilles and I'm a raging mess. And I was like, exactly. Absolutely. But it's so beautiful. And so um, I immediately purchased a paperback copy for myself after my library loan had expired because I was like, I'm going to want to read this again. I'm going to want to take a pencil and underline my favorite passages because there are so many beautiful passages in this book. Um, and I have loved it pretty hard ever since. I love a paperback for the freedom to love it hard. Yes. And so, so it is, it is very much so mine now. I I absolutely love that. I think you've described the quintessential song of Achilles reading experience because (laughs) I am going back to when I picked up this book and I am like you, I am a morning person, but I started this book kind of like in the middle of a day and I couldn't go to bed until I had read it. So I think at the end, it was like a Saturday and I was up at 3 a.m. just sobbing, just, just crying just yeah. crying my eyes out. And my husband's like, what's going on? And I'm like, it's the book. And I've only ever cried like that with like a handful of books. 
Yeah. And so I know that when you get that, uh, that much amount of tears, that volume of tears, I'm like, okay, I'm going to remember this one forever. And I do mm-hmm. I remember it so strongly. And then you said you've read it a couple of times. Did you read it again yeah. for the women's prize? Cause I'm pretty sure, did this book win the women's prize? I see the orange prize. It did win prize. the women's prize. It did. Yes. The orange prize is the women's prize. It mm-hmm. has gone through a couple of different names over the time, but, um, but I, I, I did not actually, I had, I had reread it previously, mm-hmm. like a little bit before I started that challenge. So I ended up, you know, skipping it in that, in that order. Although my heart twinged a little as I, as I skipped over it, but I didn't have time. I was running out of time. I right. Like, I, can't, I can't do this. So, but, um, but no, I, I read it again and I did, you know, do the underlining and loved it just as much the second time, if not a little more. It's, it's a book I haven't reread, but um, I always ask my guests for their experiences when they first read a book. And I typically come at it with some of my own. And this book in particular, I have my copy right here. And mm-hmm. I, I'm very fond of just the story behind how I acquired this book, because this particular book, I got it in 2018 for Christmas. And it was actually the very first book my now husband bought me. Uh, in 2018. Wow. And we had been together for years and years. And I always tell him, you know, I'm easy to shop for. Just buy me a book. And he's like, I don't know what books you have. I don't know what books you want. (laughs) He's not a big reader. But this was the Mm -hmm. first time he went and bought me a book. And he wrote a little inscription inside the book, which I am about to share with all of you. Yeah. Just basically the story in which uh, he found this book. And so it basically says... uh, I wanted to get you a book this year. So why did I pick this book in particular? So I'd been looking through the best titles of 2018 and found that Circe was kept coming up over and over and I thought you would like it. After cross-referencing your Goodreads account, thanks for naming it Malavika Proceed 413. So I was able to find it and see who (laughs) wanted to read it. I thought it would make a great choice. However, they didn't have Circe there. Um, the books I kept finding, Evan, he makes jokes about the only books that they had there were Infinite Jest and The Alchemist, which are two books <laughs> I cannot stand. And then they had this book. And so he said, I hope you'll like this one just as much since Cersei wasn't there. And little did he know, I absolutely loved it. It was like, my yeah, favorite book you lucked out, I think. He absolutely lucked out. I don't know how he just happened to come across one of my new all-time favorite books but I just thought yeah that was, that was seriously an adorable well because I liked Cersei but I loved this one more like I, Cersei was good but like this one just like hit me in the heart in a way that I have rarely experienced yes I totally agree with that I ended up reading Cersei so- shortly after this just because I, I wanted to read it and I enjoyed mm-hmm. that book but this one I had such a deep affection for mm-hmm. and so I think you know the, the first place to start with kind of diving in is just the writing itself. So Madeline Miller, she's known for her prose and it's absolutely exquisite in this book. She takes her time with descriptions. She brings this older source material to life, you know, everything from battle scenes to introspection, quiet interactions. There's so much attention to detail and grace Mm -hmm. here. And I know you're a big underliner in books. For me, I didn't underline anything, but I feel like I could thumb to like any old page in here and find just beautiful sentences. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. exquisite prose. I have one here that I can read. That's one of my favorite passages. It's so short, but it says, Had she really thought I would not know him, I could recognize him by touch alone, by smell. I would know him blind by the way his breaths came and his feet struck the earth. I would know him in death at the end of the world. And I just, I'm like, the commas, like, I just can't. (laughs) 
It's so, it's so good. It's so good. And you can see why Madeline Miller, she's not the most like prolific of writers. Like these are her two books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one is in 2011. And Cersei came like seven years later. She takes her time with her novels. And it really shows like this mm-hmm. probably took ages to put together. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's wild that we're like, we're still talking about it because it's 10 years old. And mm-hmm. still like on Bookstagram, more people are finding it. Like people are still just putting it on their favorite list of all time. Like people that I introduce it to are shocked when they find out how, how long it's been out because like people are, it's still so relevant. And I think that like, you know, sometimes I'm a little nervous that it's like a little bit, it's so popular that people might think it's like overhyped. But then I, what's nice is that you can say, okay, but it also won the women's prize. And so then you like sort of get those people who are going to be weary, leery of it, like back into the fold. And, and, Every person who has picked it up has been like, oh my God. And I'm like, I told you. Yes. It's rare that a book is both popular and a critical darling. And those are just so hard to find. And then you find a book like this and it's like, these are the ones that really hold up because it's got this kind of appeal to to like just reach a broader audience and not just through literary critics, but also it's just got that gravitas that the critics are really going to like and make it stand Mm -hmm. the test of time. And so- it's just an incredible book. I I don't think we're gonna have too many criticisms here of this one for either <laughs> of us. I normally try to be a little picky. I think the one thing I can pick out with this book is, you know, the, the thing that might not appeal to every reader. It is a slower paced book, and so yeah. I've heard some people who say, you know, I preferred Cersei. There were just like more things that happened in Cersei, a little more mm-hmm. diversity of storytelling, a few different characters that come in, and just the way that story kind of unfolds and you know, not every book is everyone's cup of tea and the middle yeah. maybe can drag for some readers. I personally didn't feel that way, but mm-hmm. maybe pick it up when you're in the mood for a slower paced story. Yeah. Well, and I think that it also depends on what kind of books you tend to like um, most of the time. Like if you are mostly reading like YA fantasy, which is like a genre that I love, it's gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna feel like this is much slower because it because it is, right? Like, you know, a lot of fantasy novels, they just they're they're full of you know formulas and they move you through you know stories quickly for a reason and and I, I do love that but that's like sort of not what this is this has got a lot more character driven stuff in it and so you know if you're if you're not a character driven novel kind of person I do think that you'll still like this one but it's you just should know that to expect that going in I think absolutely and speaking of characters great segue to my next bullet <laughs> point <laughs> so I. I mean, it's interesting thinking about this book when you're like, you know, how original can you make these characters when obviously this is a book that doesn't even really have spoilers in the conventional sense because it's true to the myth in many cases. I mean, yeah. we're not going to spoil like the ending for you. If you don't know the myth, we're, yeah, no, yeah. You, we're not going to spoil it. We're not going to spoil it. But if you do know the myth, myth, yeah, if you if you know the myth, you know what's coming, it's still going to break your heart. But mm-hmm. um, I, I really do think Madeline Miller does some interesting things here with the characters, because when you have characters that are thousands of years old, you can take liberties with them. And mm-hmm. I think some of the biggest liberties that she takes are the the choice she makes to make these characters very tender in their relationships Ugh. to others. Ugh. Yes. It's so beautiful, the tenderness, not only between Achilles and Patroclus, but also Achilles 
Uh, and other characters here, especially when we're sort of surrounded by the brutality of some other characters. Mm-hmm. And so I think the example I think of is uh, Briseis. I don't know if I'm saying that mm-hmm. exactly. I think it's Briseis, but Briseis. I'm sure that everyone pronounces it differently. So when you, see you can't be wrong. You have to make a guess, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then so depending on the iteration you find, you know, the, the general story with uh, Briseis or Briseis is she's seen as this war prize, you know, during the Trojan War, and um, Achilles sort of claims her as his prize, so to speak. And um, in this book, you know, he kind of claims her to kind of save her honor in a way. You know, mm-hmm. that's a, not a it's as not a, a favor to Patroclus. Yeah, exactly. As a as a favor, you know, because Patroclus feels so deeply, you know, wronged by just the 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 trading of women that's going on here. He mm-hmm. he's so deeply affected by this. Um, but versus if you read other tellings of the Trojan War, even modern tellings, there are books, The Silence of the Girls and A Thousand mm-hmm. Ships, that sort of take a different perspective. You see a much mm-hmm. more brutal Achilles or a much more, you know there's less tenderness here. And yeah. I think that's just a good, I don't, I don't want to say a choice is good or bad. And you can argue one might be less authentic to the source material, but I think for this story that she was trying to tell, which was an epic love story, it really worked. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it gives your heart what you want a little bit too. Yeah. Right. Which is always just like, so, so lovely, but it's so tender. I mean, I completely agree. I loved, I mean, I, I loved that. I read this one before I read The Silence of the Girls mm-hmm. um, or A Thousand Ships. And so I, I far prefer, you know, this this relationship with Briseis than, than others right. that are out there just in terms of like how they make me feel happier. But um, those other books are also excellent. Um, but one thing that I, I think is really noteworthy about this book in terms of tenderness is that when you when you read it there's so it's so it's narrated by Patroclus but all of his attention is on Achilles all the time Mm -hmm. and and so there's very little like commentary about himself like he like you you in most novels you would get like oh I felt tired and yawned or like Mm -hmm. I did this but like there's like none of that like it's literally just like all like reverence Mm -hmm. of Achilles and just this like pouring passionate tenderness like for this man that I think is what makes it so like heartbreaking in a good way right it's just like it's just what makes you like feel like you're like am I even breathing like while I read this like I could just be have been exhaling like for the entire book because my chest is just like bursting right it's it's that trope again it's like I let out a breath I didn't know I was holding yeah (laughs) I never took any breaths (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's so beautiful and it's tender and you're right you know it's narrated by Patroclus but he is talking truly about Achilles but honestly if you were to ask me I love Patroclus as a character you Mm -hmm. you see him grow you know they start out as children and you see them grow into adults and you just see the the thought processes and the choices that he makes and sort of accepting he's not the big bad warrior he finds a different role for himself in which he's truly helpful in sort of an mm-hmm. unsung hero aspect and i i just loved reading about him as a character and just how he balanced out achilles's sort of great yeah. warriorness yeah oh, they're so it's so perfect it's so You're good right. And, and it still brings in, you know, the the interesting atmosphere of the Trojan War. You still have all of the other characters in there, the Agamemnon and 
all the other mm-hmm. heroes and Paris and all of them, you know, and the, the gods. Those guys. The Nifs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you love some of them and hate some of them. Oh, God, Agamemnon. Ugh. Um, <laughs> oh, that guy. Oh, God. That effing guy. If, no. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a really, like, if you're someone who grew up really liking mythology, which I did, I was a big fan of myths growing up. And I think you're going to find some of that same kind of joy just sort of written for adults and written for, you know, in a more literary form. I, I can't say enough praise about this book. And I think that it's also like a fun intro into like mythology if you don't know a ton about it. Like before I had read this one, I've read many other retellings since then. It's become sort of a favorite subgenre of mine. But before that, I just really had like Percy Jackson, <laughs> which is like also not a terrible place to start. Right. Like, you yeah. want to learn about Greek mythology and those books are so fun. I highly recommend yeah. them. Um, but, you know, this was, you know, I mean, I think it's like sort of assumed or at least nowadays, you know, that because because in in the more traditional text, right, like it's Achilles and Patroclus are positioned as, you know, best friends or um, just like partners in, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of platonically, but like nowadays we're like, okay, well, we know what that means. Right. So like, let's read into it. And so this really like just like leans all the way into this, just like beautiful, epic sweeping love story. And in fact, I just desperately want and was surprised to find doesn't exist. I don't think. And if somebody knows of one, please tell me, but I desperately want like an epic fantasy like gay Achilles Patroclus retelling like a like I want like a whole like I want like a not like this which is the myth as a retelling but like a retelling new story like with these themes like but I can't write that because I am not a gay man so (laughs) I just need like some like queer male author who can like really represent these characters very well to please write this like epic fantasy retelling that I want in my heart of hearts and I will just be patiently waiting until I get it I co-sign I will donate to your Kickstarter (laughs) you know I (laughs) co-sign oh just be so good I absolutely love that and you know kind of sticking with that theme and you're great at the segues you know coming with other (laughs) stories and other books we might recommend you know you've read some other retellings of this particular subgenre but if you think about Song of Achilles you know not only as its subject matter but also the type of story that it is the emotional content are there other books that you'd recommend for people that have loved this read this want more it's tricky because we we've sort of touched on the two that I think would be my my go-to, which is, you know, The Silence of the Girls, um, which is Briseis's story, mm-hmm. right? Like hers first and foremost. And A Thousand Ships, which um, is like a chorus of different women's voices from the Trojan War um, all throughout. And I, like from the very first line of that book, I was hooked. Like it's something like, you know, sing muse and like the note in his voice made it clear that it was not a request. And I was like, Love oh shit. Like I was like, this is going to be so good. Right. <laughs> and that was also on the women's prize list. And so, um, you know, I know that Stephen um, Fry also has um, like a whole set of um, Greek mythology, like not retellings, but just rewritten um, in sort of like modern English that I only just learned about was recently completed. And so I'm going to be looking for that too, because I like don't really have an interest in reading the original text, but I will lap up, you know, any retelling um, that you give me. But I, you know, I think that what I love about this one is that, you know, it's obviously a queer love story. And so does something, does something like in that way. And then these other ones, 
you know, are, are very feminist and do something in that way. And, and it, it just is so fun for me because there's no, like, these are classic stories and there's no end to how, like, many interesting things you can do with them. I, I just love how there have been so many interpretations of myth and not only Greek myth, you know, now that we're getting so many more own voices narratives, we're getting myths that have not been explored in huge detail, just sort of exploding mm-hmm. in recent years. We're getting, you know, uh, Hindu myth, we're getting African myth, we're getting Norse myths, so many different types of myth stories out there and retellings and reimaginings. And it's been a joy to just experience a lot of these Another another book I was going to say that I think, you know, feels sort of similar, although it's not quite a love story, um, would be Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, mm. which just won the Women's Prize, you know, keeping ourselves in the Women's Prize, like, <laughs> you know, universe, but it just won last year, um, and is about to come out in paperback. And that was another book where I um, just like was transported by the language and the commas and the the way that I just was like, you know, that, that was really, I really loved it because, so it's um about, so Hamnet was the son of Shakespeare and the play Hamlet is um, named after, after his son, but his son died of the plague. So mm-hmm. content warning, plague story in a pandemic, but <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's so good. And, um, but it, it's really mostly about Shakespeare's wife. And she was like, sort of like seen as like, of like a bit of a witch. And so there's also like this magical realism like layer of of that book and I really felt like when I was reading it like I was like it's in some passages like flying over London like like swooping through the air which is just um so if you loved the feeling of the prose of the song of Achilles um and you feel like you can handle a plague novel right now (laughs) I would definitely recommend Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. The book that I have that I recommend is also a queer love story that will break your heart and takes place during a pandemic, uh, which is (laughs) the last book that I probably read that broke my heart into a million pieces. And it is The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. Mm, I have that on my shelf, but I haven't read it yet. Oh my goodness, prepare yourself. And that's a book I recommend. (laughs) You know, it's not mythology, but it is the same kind of tenderness. And for those of you that may not have read this book, a very complicated one, also an identity story that takes place during the AIDS epidemic in the United States, specifically in the Chicago area, and then the later aftermath of, you know, losing basically an entire generation to this horrific tragedy. And so another content warning for the story of an epidemic, so to speak, in a pandemic, but it is a beautifully crafted novel. The characters are so memorable. It's another book that may take me a very long time to reread because I'm not ready for my heart to be broken again. But the prose is lovely. The the characters are just beautifully tender. And there's just so much attention to detail taken in here. It checked all the boxes for me. So absolutely would recommend that. Didi, you should definitely pick it up. It's so good. Someday. You have enough to read. I know that. (laughs) And so I own it. So that's step one. There's step one. Absolutely. And so (laughs) last recommendation I want to ask you for is you read a lot of books and you read more books than I read. And I, and you read like a wide spectrum of different books as we've discussed. So Mm -hmm. we, this book is very, very popular. Chances are a lot of you have read it. Can you pick out some underrated, underappreciated books that you can think of, you know, can be totally unrelated content wise, but some hidden gems that you'd like more people to know about? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, and I always appreciate more specific questions than what's your favorite book? Because 
that's like uh, obviously the hardest thing ever. Um, but I guess yeah, we have a, podcast. Just, you know, a couple of <laughs> right, a couple of recent, um, a couple of recent ones. I recently read. So one of my goals this year is to read more poetry and to learn mm-hmm. um, more, like how to read poetry more, like consciously or like more intentionally or like get you know sort of like learn about the layers that that can exist in poetry as, as you read it. Cause you don't have to know anything about poetry to read poetry. You can read poetry no matter who you are, but to, I wanted to start the journey into like that world. Like I've done a little bit more with, with literature anyway. So there is um, a novel in verse that was just released this month called Angel and Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a Romeo and Juliet retelling about a Korean American girl in Queens and a Puerto Rican boy in Brooklyn in the 90s Mm. and it's in verse and it was so good and like just incredible like just incredible and I and also like I think a little bit accessible in terms of poetry too like the rhythms and the rhymes um were um like I don't want to say easy because that makes it does sort of a disservice but it was like accessible and just like you'll you'll pick up on those things even if you don't have a lot of experience with poetry so I definitely would experience that or would uh, recommend that one. Um, and then another recent release that I was sort of surprised didn't have as much attention as I would have expected was The Performance by Claire Thomas. Mm. And that's like a nice slim little novel. Um, it's like 200 pages or something like that. But um, it's about three women watching the same Samuel Beckett play. Mm. And so it moves through like, but you're in their head as they're watching the play. And um, I forget the name of the play. And so people who know more about Samuel Beckett will laugh at me for forgetting, but it's, it's the one where there's like this woman who's like stuck in a hill. Like she's like stuck from the waist down. Like she lives in a hill. Like oh. she's literally just like a torso sticking out of the ground. Oh my God. I'm and... waiting for Godot. So this is news to me. Right. <laughs> But it's all very like the same sort of existential right. strangeness that you get from from him. But like, you know, and she's sort of like begging for her husband's attention. Her husband walks around and is sort of like not paying attention to her. And she's like contemplating, you know, all of these things. And so it was just fascinating how um, Claire Thomas was able to like take that play and put it into these three different, like very different women's um, like thought processes and how they related that to their own life and like their own challenges you know you had an older woman who was struggling with something that she couldn't talk about at home um the another another woman was um a recent mother who had struggled with um uh her her first child had died from sudden infant death syndrome so she now has you know has a child and also inherited money so she's like also sort of newly wealthy so that was very complex and then the third woman um is an usher at the show and she's a drama student and her girlfriend is like there's oh by the way wildfires raging nearby they're in Australia and her girlfriend is like potentially in peril so she's like very distracted and anyway it was really clever and smart and like easy to read and beautiful um and so that was another one like it's it's still pretty new and I did see people talking about it but not as much as I think I would have expected I love those choices and both of those are really interesting and gripping to me I'm going to have to see if I can find them like in different ways <laughs> those are just so compelling and appealing to me. I Yeah, I, I love it when people talk about lesser known books because I, I was scouring through all the books I've given five stars recently and I'm like, oh, I've seen that one everywhere and that one everywhere. I'm like, I need, yeah. need some newer, different, off the beaten path books. And so I'm really happy you mentioned these. And so uh, before we wrap up today, Didi, where can we find you? Where can we find the wonderful work that you do? 
Um, so I am on Instagram as at Dee Dee Reads. And so my name is spelled D-E-E-D-I, which you would not probably guess if you were left to your own devices. So it's at Dee Dee Reads. Um, and my, um, if you go there, you know, you can go to my link in bio and you'll get to my blog and my newsletter. I do a monthly newsletter, which has like sort of what I'm reading, but I also really love to pull in just fun and interesting links and articles that I find throughout the month that may or may not relate to books. Um, and that's always a lot of fun. Um, and then on Twitter, I don't have, I'm not, you know, on Twitter a lot, but I do think that Twitter is fun. And my, my handle on Twitter is DD speaking, mm-hmm. which is sort of like, hello, DD speaking. That's, that's where that came from. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Definitely. So that's all right. That's me. Definitely follow DD on Instagram, check out her newsletter and her, all her reviews. I am so impressed that you find a way to review like all the books that you read, because I'm lucky <laughs> if I put in like a sentence on Goodreads half the time, I'm just like, okay, read that moving on. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's really like, I really like don't do anything else, but but, like read and like, I mean, people like I'm, I like to joke that I'm like absolutely useless at bar trivia, like absolutely useless, unless it's Harry Potter trivia, in which case you absolutely want me on your team. (laughs) But if it's like music or pop culture or the office, like I can't help you. I don't know any of that. People are like, have you seen this movie? And I'm like, no, "No, absolutely not. I get that. So, you know, I'm very, it's a, it's a very specific, like I do almost nothing else, but it really does bring me so much joy. And like I mentioned, like has brought me into a community of other people who also love these things that I love, which is just one of the most valuable things that I think we have with technology today. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. It's just, it's been the pleasure of being on Bookstagram and running this podcast. It's just meeting readers who just love engaging deeply with the books that they love and sharing those with others. And that's what we're all doing in a sense. It's what we're all trying to do it. And so Dee, yeah. thank you so much for your time and for getting me to talk about this book that I love once again. And um, <laughs> as always, you can follow your favorite book on Instagram and Twitter at YFB Podcast. Uh, we have new episodes out every Thursday. Um, season two is rapidly wrapping up. So this is going to be towards the end of season two, a few more episodes to go in this season. Uh, but season three is going to have lots of fun things waiting for you. So stick around for that. Dee, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm.